Birds, I guess. <laughs> Booker Tov, everybody. Very happy Yom HaMiyuchas. To those who knew it's Yom HaMiyuchas and those who don't, I want to thank Elliot Altswing as always sponsoring the series this year in memory of his beloved mother, Marilyn Altswing Eisenberg, whose neshama should have an aliyah. What does it mean, Yom HaMiyuchas? We usually think of Yichus. Yichus is usually our lineage from whom we descend. What kind of connections, what kind of name dropping, what kind of prestige, what kind of protexia do we have? What's your yichus? The word yichus more literally means a connection, a bond. Yom HaMiyuchas, today the second day of Sivan is Yom HaMiyuchas because today comes in between Rosh Chodesh, which was yesterday, and tomorrow is the Shlosh Shemeh Agbalah, begins the three days of anticipation, of preparation for receiving the Torah on the holiday of Shavuos. What makes today special? Absolutely nothing. What makes today special is that it comes between yesterday and tomorrow. And that, in fact, is special. It's an amazing, amazing day. Yom HaMiyuchas has significance. The yichas of Yom HaMiyuchas is who today is surrounded by. We can elevate ourselves. We can change our energy, our attitude, our experience just by whom we surround ourselves with. It's Yom HaMiyuchas. The yichas is yesterday, Rosh Chodesh tomorrow begins Shlosh Shemei So today there's nothing particular, but simply with whom we surround ourselves has an enormous impact on us. The positive energy, the positive thinking, the positive attitude, the way we behave and the way others behave, how we surround ourselves is in fact the yichus, the connections that we make. And today is an awesome reminder. We're at the end of the first parak, Misil Shisharim, 10 minutes of meaning. And we spent the entire opening chapter, the Ramchal of Moshe Chaim Lutzato, spent reminding us that our mission, our purpose in this world, the reason we were created is to be givers, not takers. It's to identify our duty, responsibility, our obligation to the world, not our rights and entitlements of what we can take from the world. And he ends, After we've established this truth, that the secret to meaning, to fulfillment, to happiness, is not the pursuit of happiness. In fact, Happiness is elusive. The more you pursue it, the more it escapes you. It runs away from you. You have to land on happiness not by pursuing your own, but by providing it for others. And very paradoxically, that leaves you happy. So says the Ramchal, now we're going to go through that journey. If the purpose is to achieve a mission-driven life, to try to aspire for perfection, for mindfulness, to be able to live life in high definition... Then let's go through one by one what are the qualities and characteristics we needed to achieve it. tells us taught the 12 steps, the 12-step program of all Jews to overcome all of our, and make no mistake, there's no Jew, there's no human being who doesn't have an addiction, a behavior, a habit that they need to overcome. Some are labeled by society, and we therefore have real 12-step programs. Alcoholics Anonymous, Gambling Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, and others are not labeled. In fact, some are even admired. But being a workaholic or a shopaholic is as much a, or a sportsaholic, is as much of an addiction as these others. And these 12 steps are the Torah response, the Torah's timeless formula for how to overcome whatever it is, the bad habit, or whatever is the, whatever is the uh, addiction that we're overcoming. In fact, this week is one of the Shalash Regalim, the word regel can come from the word herge, which means a habit. And according to many, the purpose of the Shalash Regalim is to mix it up. The year gains a momentum. It's a certain traction. We're in a, on a certain trajectory. 
And then it's just life carrying us. The days turn into weeks, the weeks blend into months. Next thing you know, the whole year's over, you don't remember anything distinctive about this year. What made this year special? It's all a hergel. We're just creatures and products of habit. So the regel is to break up the hergel. We counter yontif. We're going to re-accept the Torah, Kabbalah Satorah. We're going to receive the Torah anew from the start in order to interrupt, in order to break up that habit and to say, no, I aspire to accomplish in Torah. I have a portion in your Torah. I can finish a daf or a parak or a mesechta. I can finish a book of Tanakh or all of Tanakh. I can accomplish and grow in my learning, in my self-transformation, in my definition, in my mission and impact for the world. So how do we break up our hergal? How do we break up that habit and form new, better habits by following Rav Pinchas Ben Yair's formula, Zahiras, Rizas, Nakias, Precious, and so on and so forth? And says the Ramchal, let's begin, let's go through them. So what's the first quality? We're now in Perak Beis, major monumental milestone for the Boker Aton Synagogue. Small step for mankind, a large step for the Boker Aton Synagogue. Perak Beis. So the first quality that we have to work on, which is very interesting, the first quality is not a proactive quality. It's not zrizus. It's not how to wake up with enthusiasm and alacrity and passion, how to greet the day and jump out of bed. That's not the first midah. The first midah is not the positive, proactive, initiative one, but rather it's zahirus. Zahirus is vigilance. Zahirus is mindfulness. Zahirus is caution. Zahirus is being methodical, living life strategically. Don't just shoot from the hip. Don't just make impulsive decisions. Don't just pursue whatever your instinct or intuition tells you. But to live life with a Zahirus, with a vigilance, be thoughtful, be mindful, be strategic. Every decision, every action, every behavior, every expenditure, every utterance, Think it through to the end before you start, Kolomar. Contemplate and strategize, think through all your actions. Is this a smart thing to say? Will this leave me being closer to my wife or will this contribute friction? Will this make my child feel better about themselves or give them self-esteem issues? Will this make my business meeting more likely to conclude the way I want or less likely? To think it through all the way to the end. Stephen Covey's seven habits, one of his habits is begin with the end in mind. Always start from the end. Begin with the end in mind. My father taught me since I was young. Every meeting, and particularly since I became a professional, every meeting you go into, you need to think how you want it to end. What's your objective? What's your goal? What's your aim? And now strategize the meeting to get to that conclusion. Because the people who don't walk into a meeting and they sabotage their own success, they derail their own journey, their own purpose, why they were there. So think through what will bring you. As Kavi says, begin with the end in mind. And much before him, as the Ramchal said, Don't pursue habits thoughtlessly. Don't just live life mindlessly. That you go in and you'll figure it out. Once the meeting starts, you'll figure it What's your agenda? I don't know. Once we get in the meeting, we'll figure it out and hopefully it'll end the way that I want. Go in with the end in mind. And don't, God forbid, be like a blind person walking in darkness. You're a blind person. You walk into a dark room. You have no idea where the furniture is. You're going to trip and stumble and you're going to fall. When you're blind, you need to walk into the room with an assistant 
or with a dog, or with a stick, or if you're not blind, it's just a dark room, figure out where the light switch is and turn it on so you can navigate through that room. Life is a dark room. And we need to navigate our way through so we don't trip and stumble and fall. And so you need to begin with the dark room in mind. You need to understand, beginning with the end in mind, is knowing where the, where's the furniture, where are the impediments, what's likely to derail me, and what's going to make me fall. I don't remember if I gave this mushroom in this setting or one of the other classes. Golf, did I mention it last week? Or two weeks ago? Yeah, identifying the sand traps in the water. You can't just grip it and rip it in life. You have to know what is going to be your trap and eliminate the traps. Okay, that's why I asked. They're so proud of themselves. This is something that is dictated by common... You should be proud, I guess. You remember it a whole week later. Is it conceivable when a person has knowledge and understanding to save himself and avoid the loss of his soul? The Ramchal here points out really in an embarrassing way. It's shameful. That a human being who is created with intellect a human being who's created with the capacity to be thoughtful, that we would fall into the trap of our own self-sabotage. It's really quite pathetic. I love this line. I mean, I hate this line because of how embarrassing it is, but I love the line for how insightful it is. says, if you see a dog or a cat, and there's a car coming... They run out of the way. A dog or a cat senses something's dangerous and they recoil. They avoid it. The lowly animal with an inferior intellect but instinctively knows to identify danger and to avoid it. And we human beings who are further developed or evolved, certainly better designed and superior in intellect in every other way over an animal. And what happens when we sense danger? We jump right in. Oh, that food's going to give me high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, shorten my life. Let me have another portion, please. Oh, that looking at that image is going to hurt my, my marriage, my shalom bias, my neshama. Let me have another click, please. Oh, that saying that thing is going to be gossip that boomerangs and comes back to bite me. Let me share it with a few more people. Let me press forward to a few more. The animal is smart enough to sense danger and avoid it. And the human being who God endowed with the capacity to identify danger and navigate around it, what do we do? We jump right in, we indulge. Unlike the animal, we don't have the self-control or discipline to begin with the end in mind, to see the destination that this path is going to lead me to, what it's going to result in, and therefore avoid it to begin with. So a person who just lives life, right? Again, society tries to, oh, they're carefree. Oh, they're very spontaneous. To a certain degree, those are wonderful qualities. In a measure. In a measure. But to be too carefree and too spontaneous is another way of saying mindless and thoughtless. And is another way of saying high risk and likely to get into trouble. It's like a blind person walking on the edge of the river. They're in great danger. And the likelihood is greater they're going to be harmed then they're going to survive. The risk of natural blindness or willful blindness, meaning you ignore the obvious conspicuous dangers, are one and the same. They're one and the same. In other words, the edge of the river, the edge of the cliff doesn't care 
whether you're teetering on the edge because you're naturally blind or you're teetering on the edge because you choose to walk with your eyes closed. The edge of the cliff and your epitaph don't really care. Why? So why would we electively close our eyes and walk through life blind? We have the capacity to see. The Almighty gave us the ability to have vision, to look, to anticipate, to plan, to strategize, to look with the end in mind. Why would you walk into that meeting or that conversation or that interaction or that choice or that moment of vulnerability where you know your Yetzirah is going to grab you? Why would you block in with your eyes closed and with a sense of blindness rather than try to navigate our way around? Yom HaMiyuchas. Surround ourselves with good yichus. Surround ourselves by good vibes, good energy, good decision-making, good people. Just like today is surrounded by Rosh Chodesh before and Shlosh Me'agbala. And that in itself will be enough to elevate us. Wishing everyone a great week. A good Shabbos and a Chag Sameach.